Blog Talk Radio. if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, 
because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God. Life. Eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord. And we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. uh, Touch us on today, Lord. uh, We need you like never before. uh, Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, we can leave with your anointing, Lord, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you because you are a healer. You're the God that healeth thee, and healing is in your wings, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls, and in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord, every demonic force, Lord. God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord, because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you. Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. 
deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. Well, for me, early childhood started at three months on the planet after birth being left in a bootlegger's house. My mother left me there. Um, and a lady that she knows by the name of Blanche Adams found me. She was never married, and she didn't have children of her own. So God kind of placed us together. She just made sure that I ate good. Sometimes we didn't have lights. Sometimes we didn't have water, but she always found a way. She encouraged me to um, get involved with the things of God and the things of church. I called her mom. She was the only mother I knew. At age six, she had a man stand there. He would play with me a little bit and, you know, throw the ball and promise me stuff, bicycles. So I didn't think nothing of it. I was innocent. I didn't know no better. But one day he, um, put his mouth on parts of my body that he wasn't supposed to. So he told me that if I told him about it, he would kill me. And when I told Blanche about it, my mama, she didn't do anything. It was no protection. I didn't know if it was for the money. Did she think I was lying? So one night, um, I had to go through his room to get to the kitchen. So I went to the kitchen to get some water as quiet as I possibly could. And when I turned back around, he was standing in the doorway with his boxes on, telling me, give me a hug. Um, I won't hold you. And I fought past him as best I could. And I went and woke her up and told her that um, he was trying to hug me. She put him out, told him he had to leave. So my first sexual encounter was with a guy. And uh, I felt dirty and I felt like it was my fault or, you know, and I never had any problems with my sexuality, but I wonder why. And I walked around with that um, for decades that's inside of me holding it. I started to hang around with the older group because my peers uh, made fun of me too much. They were drinking and doing drugs. So I think I had beer when I was nine and I was 10 when I first smoked marijuana. The same year I got saved was the same year I snorted cocaine for the first time at 12 years old. It gave me an outlet and the pain and, and things that I was experiencing inside, it seemed like it numbed it some. I felt happy. It appeared that people were making money. Um, they had nice things. I knew I was poor. So I made it my business to try to be the person that everybody needed to know in order to get what they needed to get. My mama, she died around 16, 17. I was on my own. I dropped out of school. I got another job. But I was also trying to sell drugs, marijuana and cocaine when I would get my hands on it. Recreation and um, fun times rapidly became a habit. And once the curse of addiction got hold of me, it held me for 30 plus years. It just evolved 
extremely quick. And it went from snorting cocaine to smoking crack. I got incarcerated when I was 28 years old. That was the first time. It was terrifying for me because I'd never been put in a cage, told when to get up, told when to sleep. I went back to what I knew and I got my Bible. And I started to read again and I started to pray again. I didn't want to do drugs in jail and get high even though it was prevalent and it was right there. Every time I got out, it didn't take long before I fell back into the same lifestyle. I would always say, I ain't going back no more. This is my last time. But every time I got back involved with the drugs, every single time that God blessed me with good jobs, career-orientated jobs, I've been divorced twice, um, vehicles, material things. I went right back and lost everything. I chose to be outside. I chose to sleep in abandoned buildings and in people's houses that didn't have electricity or utilities. I chose to sleep in cars. I chose to just hang on the street and not go to sleep at all for two or three days. I was angry at God at times. Why this? Why why my parents leave me? Why did she die when I was so young? Why don't I have a family? If you are loving God, why? Couldn't get it, didn't understand. When you find yourself doing things outside of the law that you wasn't raised to do, and the little bit of dignity and character that's left starts to say, mm-mm. And you look around and you see you haven't done nothing with your life. You've wasted decades. When God gives you a moment of clarity, it just makes you think, is this it? Is this how it's going to end? Was it too late for me to have a purpose and walk in something that was worthwhile? And God gave me a moment of clarity to say, you know what? There's something still in you, if you trust me. So I finally got to the point of total surrender, total trust. And I spoke to God as if I'm speaking to you, and if you don't help me and heal me and deliver me, I'm going to die. I called the Salvation Army a couple of days before. They told me to come in that day, did the intake. Say, God, I can't leave until you fix me. He let me know that this is it, that I'm going to change you, and you're going to be all right. And it was like the most comforting words in my spirit that I had ever heard in my life. And he just started to minister to me. He let me know that I was his son. He let me know that um, what I went through was not to hurt me. He let me know that he hurt me. I know he loved me. The Salvation Army is the six-month program. Close to graduation, uh, the opportunity to be a Salvation Army soldier became available. I was a soldier for about a year, and then they elected me as the Corps Sergeant Major of the Southampton Rose Croc, which is similar to being like a deacon or assistant pastor. Um, every day I wake up, God is involved in my life and helping me be involved with something he's doing in some capacity. I got an opportunity um, a couple of years ago to be in Homeland, which was a series on Showtime. And I wound up being a Secret Service agent guarding the President of the United States. I would tell people that nobody can take you from the crack house to the White House but Jesus. Because how do you go from guarding Pookie Ray Ray and Nuck Nuck to guarding the President of the United States on a major television program? I spoke at old folks' homes. I've been to Atlanta with the Salvation Army. So I've marched in the Grand Illumination Parade as a representative of Christ through the Salvation Army. And um, I don't have any biological children, but I got about 20-something kids that I mentor, that I've been mentoring them for 
about two and a half years now. I can't believe it. God is, man, he just took my life. I can't believe, I can't believe it. When people used to talk about that experience and what God done, nah, it can't be that real. It can't be that much, but it's real. It's, it's true. And at 56, I didn't know it would be like that. I had no idea. I didn't think he loved me that much. And nobody could have wrote my story and told me that what has happened to me over these last few years um, would have happened. I mean, the police, places I've been and the people I've been in the company of, it's, just, it's nothing short of amazing. And uh, he still lets me know the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You know, it's the promise to every believer, to every disciple of Jesus, to every child of God. The best is yet to come. God has put in us the amazing gift of being able to choose. You know, people can do things to us in our lives that we can't really choose to get out from under. They can leave shame. They can leave anger. They can leave hurt. But there are choices we get to make in our lives, and the choices we make matter. You know, even when you've made wrong choices along the path for a window of time, even a long window of time like Michael did, wrong choice, wrong choice, wrong choice, couldn't seem to come out from under it. One day, God gave him clarity, and he made a right choice. You know, the Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. And then we're also told, I set before you life and death. Choose life. I want to say that to you today. If you're hooked in something that you can't seem to get out of, it doesn't make a difference what it is or how long you've been there. Jesus came to set you free. If you would like to pray with someone, our line is toll-free. It's 1-800-700-7000. Hello, I'm Gordon Robertson. Thanks for watching the video. Be sure to like, subscribe. What the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. If you turned my whole life upside down, took the old and he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God. Now I'm alive to tell the story How I've overcome His goodness and mercy And the power of His blood I'm so glad that my freedom Wasn't based on what I've done the power of the blood so much power in the blood oh. 
Power in the blood. 
just the radio. This is Jesus in the Morning Radio, spreading the good news of Jesus. There were times we'd come home and mom was fine, and there were times we'd come home and we thought mom was dead. From an early age, Tom Blee tried to escape his dysfunctional home. With an alcoholic mom and a workaholic dad, Tom quickly learned to shoulder his own burdens and keep his emotions in check. I mean, I can remember as a first grader going into school and one of the nuns coming up to me and saying, Tom, is your mom sick again? And even as a child thinking, you've got to hide this. And that anxiety that was put into my head at a young age, I mean, that's the buzzing, that's the clanging, that's the unrest. Tom felt more and more pressure to be perfect, so he projected an image that everything was fine. Yet nothing relieved his growing anxiety, not even God. I can remember in church many times looking up and saying, there's the Savior that is supposed to save me hanging on the cross who never comes off the cross. At 16, Tom decided religion was pointless and stopped attending church. It seemed to him that he got better results from his own hard work. I don't need this God and this Jesus, and I just need my books, and I need to pick my career, and I need to get out of this house and get on with my life. Growing up in the shadow of the Mayo Clinic, Tom was drawn to the lifestyle of the doctors and their families. How come I can go to people's houses and it's not dirty? The search constantly to find that area of peace, the doctor's family seemed to have peace. So Tom decided to be a doctor. He did well at college and med school. But the pressure to succeed and keep up a perfect facade fed his anxiety. The uneasiness was there. The need to succeed was there. That buzzing in my head was there. Tom graduated med school and married a nurse, hoping to achieve the ideal family life he never had. It just didn't work. We were kind of the same people. She grew up in bad alcoholism with, uh, with her father. I grew up in bad alcoholism. And we're very comfortable with chaos. That's what we've grown up in. Soon, Tom found himself escaping as his dad had, working long hours and isolating himself at home when arguments arose. If the heat was turned up, I would run and hide. For over a decade, Tom worked to maintain his perfect image of success. However, behind closed doors, his marriage was crumbling. We had the house, we had the cars, we had all this stuff, and it was empty. It was exhausting, and I don't even know if exhausting is a big enough word. Then, the evening of March 1st, 2014, Tom finally faced his failures. Overwhelmed, he called his sister, who had given her life to Christ, and she urged him to get to know Jesus. And I hung up the phone, and I sat in this chair in this kind of dimly lit room, and I looked up and said, I don't even think you exist. You know, and I said, I'm so done with this, everything that's happening, that I'm gonna give you one more shot. And I got on my knees and I said, you know, if you exist, you have five minutes to show me. Because otherwise I'm tapping out. And I stood up and instantly felt different. A, there was a presence in the room and B, that buzzing stopped. There was finally lightness, so to speak. There was something like lifted off my shoulders saying, stop the struggle. You got help. That night, Tom bought a Bible and started reading. The more he learned about Jesus, the more peace he felt, and the more he realized that Jesus was much different than the man he'd seen always hanging on the cross as a little boy. He came down as a helper. He came down as someone to heal. He's completely different than the man on the cross because he's present. He's here, can ask, shows up, alive, dynamic. Tom started attending church and Bible studies, 
As he grew closer to God, he stopped striving to be perfect and sought God for help with his problems. Even though his marriage ended a year later, Tom had hope in someone greater than himself. All I could do is say, I have nothing right now but you, God. Something is happening and I trust you. Today, Tom's a trauma surgeon at the seventh busiest trauma center in the country. Yet with all that pressure, he doesn't worry because he knows Christ is the ultimate healer. My work as a surgeon is constantly cheating death. And I know someone out there that actually can bring people back from death. I mean, that's what Jesus is. You are a new person. You get a new life. You get a second chance. You get hope. Doesn't mean I don't have challenges and trying times and so on, but that buzzing is gone. There's a peace there. Everything is fixable through Christ. That same miracle can happen to you. Here's a promise from Scripture. You will keep him in perfect peace whose heart is set on you. What's your heart set on? Is your heart set on success by the world's standards? Is it set on the two cars and the big house and the perfect family? Are, are these things the, what we call the American dream? Is that what your heart is set on? Or is your heart set on God? When you're chasing things, you can never have peace. When, when you're striving for perfection, you know, the old adage, what's wrong with perfection? Well, everything, uh, because you can't ever get there. Uh, you'll always be able to find a flaw. You'll always be able to find something wrong. But here's the great news. There is a perfect Savior. He lived perfectly. And here's the odd thing. He died for you. So that you wouldn't have to pay the price. He, he did it all for you. It's already been done. And he didn't stop there on the cross. He went to a grave and then he rose again. I mean, miracles. And that same miracle power can be there for you. What Tom experienced were all the chaos, all the uncertainty, growing up with alcohol constantly being a problem in the home, all of that gnawing at him. The, the choice of a trauma surgeon as a job, so you get exposed to even more trauma on a daily basis, life and death every day. But you see what happened to him. You can have the same experience. All you have to do is do the same prayer. Tom's was very simple. It's kind of demanding. I don't, I don't recommend that one. But if you seek God with all of your heart and do it very simply, Jesus, if you're there, if you're real, if you really can give me peace, if you are the Prince of Peace, if you are my Savior, if you can forgive me, can you set me free from all this anxiety? Can I have these things? Can you show up for me? Can you show up now? If you pray that with all of your heart, you will find it. If you need help with this prayer, we're here for you. We're not here to judge. We're here to tell you there's a Savior who loves you and wants to show up for you. Call us, 1-800-700-7000. Hello, I'm Gordon Roberts. Well, for me, early childhood started at three months on the planet after birth being left in a bootlegger's house. My mother left me there um, and a lady that she... Okay.
Good morning. God bless you. <laughs> I was trying to find the third testimony, and I think I doubled it. But anyway, uh, we are going to continue this morning. I'm waiting for Dr. Uh, Dillard to come in and uh, share a live testimony with us. My goddaughter, Laura, was coming, but she had to have surgery, and so she haven't quite recovered. So she won't make it today, but we have Dr. Dillard coming, and we have a wonderful message of the day that's coming. And so I'm excited all about it, and I thank God for it. So we'll go on our next song of the morning, and when we come back, we'll just continue devotion, and I'll read a scripture for today. <clears throat> Moses, I am who I am. And he said, 
Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So God is also saying to you today, I am who I am. God is everything that we are looking for. God is everything that you will ever need. I am that I am. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sister Ingrid Phillips. Uh, she wrote that and put the, got a friend together and put the music to it, and she changed it around a little bit. But I always enjoyed uh, listening to that song, and I thank God that he is the I am, the great I am. And so I'm thankful unto him this morning, and we are going into um, read Hebrews uh, chapter 4 and verse 12. And this is what it says. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. The word will fix us. I know we may not believe that because we go through so much sometimes and Lord, I want this, and Lord, I need that, and God, can you do this? Listen, the word of God will fix us. The word can heal us, yeah. But in order to do it, we got to get in it, and we got to read it. We got to study it. We, most of all, we got to believe it. I love these great promises that I, I just dwell on many days. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I believe this. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that loves me. Listen to that. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. He didn't say it wouldn't form. He didn't say stuff wouldn't come our way. But it won't grow any bigger. Yeah, but one thing, I'm in the word and the word is in me. And when something takes place that's against me, even hurt me, or I, I just feel bad about it, death, a family member, uh, I lost my job, I don't have money, my car broke down, uh, they threatened to take my house, whatever it may be, I'm yet the head and not the tail. Yet the weapon formed, but it won't prosper. Because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll separate the, the, the flesh from the spirit even. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. The word stands alone. It don't need no help. Uh, if you really have the spirit of God living in you, you, you don't need interpretation. When you read the word, it's plain and simple to you. It's so plain and simple, even a fool can understand it. It's so plain and simple, even a child can understand it. It gets complicated when we want to do it in our flesh. It gets complicated when we don't like what it says and we don't really want to do this. But it's a plain and simple word. God knew man. He made him. He, he knew all about him. 
So with him knowing man, he make thing, made things easier and easier, turned the Ten Commandments into two. When you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and everything that you got, when you love your neighbor as yourself, when you treat everybody, the, I don't care what kind of person it is, you treat them like you want to be treated. You've done the 10. I'm not talking about a fleshly love or I love you because I can get something from you. I love you because you're this and you're that. I love you because you're here for me. Not that kind of love, unconditional. I don't care nothing about the way you look, what you have, what you don't have. It's just a simple love. And it'll cause me to treat you right, for God is love. It will cause me to treat you right. Yeah, you may not be able to treat me right. But because of the word, and the word is in me. Yeah. I can obey. I'm going to love God. I'm, I'm not going to love him in word. I'm going to love him in action. See, it's easy for us to say, oh, I love you. They say it on TV all the time. It's fake foolishness. Men come and deceive women. Women go to deceive men. I love you because they want to get something out of you. But when it's real, it don't go away. When it's real, you're going to do right by people. Even if you have to keep yourself away from them before you do them wrong, you'll separate yourself. And you're refusing to let anybody else come and change your heart while God lives there. You're not walking according to how you feel, what you think. You're walking according to the spirit of God. You're allowing him to lead and guide you. And you love his word. You you can't get enough studying. There's not enough time in the day for you to get all that you want to do in his word. Even when you have a free day, you just want to get in that word. Because again, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Look at this. It's powerful. We're talking about the word of the God that have all power. There's no higher power. You know what a two-edged sword is? Both sides real sharp. And that word will help us. The word will set us free. Let me tell you something. I am free today because the word says whom the son set free is free indeed. I believe that. I believed it and I relied on his spirit to show me. Now when I look back at that old past before I come to God, I can stomach it. I can take it. I can look back at it and smile. Why? For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. I'm not that person anymore. And I I don't sit around and talk about my past too often. You know, every now and then, you know, I get with some old friends and 
of many of them now, they saved. And they may remember something or I may remember something and we laugh and talk. But listen, if I use that old stuff, I'm using it to testify of the goodness of God. And I done moved on from that. I don't have to tell the same story every day. I, I don't have to say, well, I went to prison. Uh, I sold dope. <laughs> the state took my children. I don't have to keep going there. What I can talk about is the new testimony. He brought me out. He gave me a work to do unto him. My old life is gone. It was no good anyway. I didn't need it. I didn't I no longer wanted it. I wanted this new life in Christ Jesus, the Son of the true and living God, Jehovah that have all power. Oh, I feel like talking about it. I wanted this new life. I I, I wanted this life that no matter what go on in my life, I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to have a pity party. I, I didn't have to take uh, uh, Valiums. I didn't have to take anxiety medications. I, I I didn't have to take something to keep me on the right track. Back in the day, they had mineral and therazine for mentally ill people to keep them on track. And they walked around like zombies. I never had to go that route. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new mind. I'm new in him. I love him. And not in just words. But in, in deeds, in, in actions, I try to show God how I feel about it. Yeah. I try to be a blessing under his people as he'll use me. I know this pleases him, so I want to do this because it pleases God. We have a whole lot of talk, I'm telling you today. But God, hear what we say, but he's looking at the things that we are doing. And if what we're saying and what we're doing are two different things, he know that it's lip service. That's what you're saying out of your mouth. That really is not from your heart because it's not true, it's not you, and it's not what you're doing. We got to go back to the old path and take a look around. If we look over in Revelations, it talk about these churches. And if I'm not mistaken, it could be Thyatira where he was telling them, you got to go back and do your first work. Over. One of the churches, he was telling them, I got an alt against you now. I got a problem with you, church. Barbara, I, I, I got a problem with you. I love you. And I want to be, go beyond blessing you, Barbara. I want to work miracles in your life, but I got a problem with you. You will have to go back and do your first work over because you left me. You started with me, Barbara, but you left me. You didn't stay in the word. You didn't stay in prayer. You didn't fast. You didn't, you, you didn't help others. All you did was got me and go to church and sit around. You didn't reach out into the deep for nothing. You didn't go beyond nothing for me. All that you did, Barbara, it was for you. When you prayed, you prayed for your family and your friends. You went to church so that you could be blessed and what concerned you could be blessed. You didn't go for me. Thank you, Brother Lewis. <laughs> Chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 of the King James Version of, of Revelation. Verse 4 said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. See, because we fall. 
we make a good start with him sometimes. We go to the altar and we repent and we say I do to him. And we receive him as our Lord and Savior, ask him to come into our hearts and live forever. But sometimes that's as far as it goes. Well, we hear the preacher every week. We go to Sunday school. We pay tithes and offering. But I want to put this in here right quick. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. I'm going to finish that right there. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. It's raining, but I'm going to church. COVID got, I'm going to church. It's super hot, but I'm going to church. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. Pay my tithes and all. We think we do. No, we're trying to get something for ourselves. But look what he told them. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove that candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hated the deeds of the Nicolodian. I mean, Nicolotians, I think that's how I heard it before, because I listened to, you know, different names, which I also hate. He said he hated them, too. There may be some things you hate. You hate users. You hate the spirit of using. You don't like people that use people. You, you don't like how the elderly is being treated, how how, how children with special needs or, or children, period, is being treated. You don't like that. You don't like how they dog men out. You don't like that. You don't like how they dog women. That That's not you. But guess what? You got some other faults because you left your first love. You thought it didn't take all of that. I don't need to do all of that. You got to have a personal prayer life at home and a personal Bible study life at home. There are some days when we have to fast. There are some times when you're going to have to go and see about somebody. Walking this walk in God is not a party all the time. It's not a Holy Ghost party all the time. It's not a good praise service that moves you. It's not a good worship service that moves you. It's not always a good sermon that moves you. Some days you're going to have your trials. Trials come to make you strong. Yes, your own trial. To see if you can pass. Someday that daughter that you love, she's going to say some things to you that you never thought would, she would ever say because you love her so much. Some days that man that you're married to, he's going to come home and talk to you like you never knew him before. This is a whole other somebody else. Who is this? That woman that you love so much going to come home one day and just shatter your dreams. And you're like, what did I do? What happened to her? Trials. They come to make us strong. He told us to pick up our cross and follow him. Must Jesus bear a cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone. And each of us got to tell ourselves, there's a cross for me. I got to pick it up and, and, and bear it. Okay, the daughter died. Oh, 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 okay, the, the knee hurt. 
okay, Bobby, you, you don't have enough money to do this and do that, but I got to pick that cross up and follow him. I didn't get the job I want. I got to pick my cross up. I didn't get the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy that I really wanted. I got to pick that cross up and follow him. Because, see, following him is not about stuff and things. It's not about what's in this life, per se. Oh, he wants us to be at peace. He wants us to be happy. Because look what he said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. He wants you to be happy. No need to worry and fret over it. I'm going to get it done through Jesus. I'm going to get it done through faith. I'm going to get it done through trust in God. But I got to make sure I'm on the right page. I'm enduring my trial. I, I'm doing what his words say do. I'm working in the vineyard for the, har- the, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And Father, please send more labors into the vineyard. Pray that he send more labor. But I must remember the labor that he called and chose me for. What was that, Barbara? To see about anybody he sent my way and, 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 and send me their way? Sometimes you're trying to help people because God is moving. They don't want it. You, you have to back up. You, you, you try to give them this. They don't want that. You try that. They, well, what about they don't want that? They don't want God. They want what they want. And sometimes pride is mixed in now. I've had one person that tell me, well, see, I don't want to get too deep in your pocket. Deep in my pocket? You've never been in my pocket before. You was in the blessings of God, but you wasn't in my pocket. If I did it, that means God used me. It ain't have nothing to do with me. And then I had one to tell me that and then come back and try to clean it up and say, well, I just like to bless the vessel of God. Never did nothing. Anyway, we move on in Jesus. But the day the word of God is so important. It's so important. The word of God and what kinship is Jesus to you? What's your relationship with him? What family member are you to him? I found out I was related to him through the blood, (laughs) through the bloodline. I was related to him, the son of the true and living. I'm joint heirs with him. Because when I received him and the blood washed me clean, I became like him. So I'm related to him. And I should be the walking word of God. When things come up, I should be able to tell you what the word says. If I don't remember, I should be able to go to the scriptures and find it and say, this is what the word said right here. Knew it went right on in and found my revelation. <laughs> Bobby James, Lewis, James chapter 1. Find that button. I'm going to go down there to verse 5. You know that's one of my favorites. But yeah, listen. The word of God is so important. I don't understand how folks say they're Christians, but they don't want nothing to do with the word. I don't want to hear that. What? Because it's not talking about what they're talking about. It won't have you doing what your flesh want to do. It'll have you doing what the spirit of God needs you to do. He needs us to do some things so that he can bless us uncommonly. 
He can work uncommon miracles in our lives. He can put back everything that's broken about you. He can fix it again. He can fix your heart and regulate your mind. He can let his word be in you, and, and, and the spirit of Jesus is in you. The same spirit that he put, that, that sin his son will be in you, the word. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When I tell you to change your mind, the word will. I'm battling. I'm battling because I love food. I'm cooking right now, y'all. I love to cook. I love to bake. I love food. But I have to fast. <laughs> not only that, but look, I have to put my mind where it needs to be. The word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Some days God said, don't cook that. I never have to say, well, why, Lord? I already know why you're going to eat the whole thing. Don't do not cook that. Don't bake that. Now, if I obey the Spirit of God, I'm going to be fine. Some days the Spirit of God says, don't touch the salt. Don't put salt in it. You hear me? Don't put sugar in that. Matter of fact, don't even eat that. I can read the word. I, I read the word about gluttonous spirit. Boy, that thing cut me sharper than it did. <laughs> so, Ooh, you already had a piece of cake. If you're going back for another half a slice, I'm just going to get a half a slice. This is what I'm telling myself. God hear the whole thing. I'm going to just get another half a slice, a little half a slice of cake. It won't hurt me. Yes, it will. That's more calories. You never should have had the first slice. And then sometimes we try to bargain with God. Anybody ever tried to bargain with him? Lord, you made me. You know all about me. Lord, you know my daddy. That's 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 what he did, Lord. He gave us dessert after every meal, God. What? Dessert after every meal. <laughs> daddy gone, you on your own. Get your mind right. I'll go back to the word, blood and the spirit. And it helped me. Because I could be 600 pounds. I can cook and bake. I'm not joking. And I know what tastes good to me. And it's very, very fattening. Love cream. Woo! Ice cream. Oh, my goodness. Peach cobblers, banana pudding. I, I'm not to my box thing. I'm to my homemade from scratch. <laughs> Love cheese. Oh, my goodness. But when God speaks, we got to listen. Dr. Dillard, if you're in this morning, would you please, ma'am, press that number one as I go to our next song of the morning, please, ma'am. We're going to our next song, and when we come back, we're coming back to bring in none other than Dr. Pauline Dillard. I've run out of answers, I've run out of time And I'm so confused that I'm losing my mind It's gonna take a miracle to help me this time I'm traveling 
inspiring and encouraging you all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah. I've got to read the scripture and then I'm going to turn the mic over to uh, Dr. Dillard of Dunamis Ministries. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5. Brother Louis, you know me too well. You know me too well. <laughs> if any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you want wisdom of the word, you want to understand, you got to pray. And by faith, believe in God. This is what he's saying. And as you continue to study the word, as you continue to pray and ask God, teach me how to apply your word to my everyday life. Teach me how to apply your word to my everyday life and allow the spirit of God. That's why the spirit is in you to lead and guide you because it's just leading and guiding you down the right path. It's leading you into all truth. You won't be blindsided. Look, Look over here. You'll have discernment. You'll know when it's foolishness and when it's real. You'll know when God is in it and when he's not. But the word of God is so important. I I, I couldn't be a follower of Jesus without, not, without knowing his word. Hallelujah. Friend and asking for discernment. All right, Dr. Dillard, I'm coming at you right now. I will say Pastor Dillard. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Barbara. I'm really happy to be here today, and I'm doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> oh, I'm blessed. I cannot complain. I'm yeah. happy to have you here today. It's been a while, Thanks. and uh, yeah. I thank God for you. Yeah, I see your stuff over on LinkedIn and everything. I say, okay, then. She's still at it. So, look, I'm going to I'm turn still the at mic it. over. <laughs> yes, that's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. So, I'm going to turn the mic over to you at this time. Okay, um, so Barbara, you asked me to do a testimony this morning, and um, it's interesting because what I want to talk about happened many, many years ago, and I don't, I haven't until now really talked much about it. And in the last month or so, God's really been putting on me. You need to start really sharing with people what happened and 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 share the testimonies of everything that He did because it's very layered. There's like testimonies inside of testimonies, if that makes sense. And um, so so the Lord's really been saying it's time for you to really help people out and let them know what you went through and and how I entered in and helped you with it because it was very deep and very dark at times. And, um, you know, it was just so interesting then when you said, hey, uh, do you want to come on and give a testimony? Because God was saying, get ready to start giving the testimony. (laughs) So um, I love when I see him work those things together. But um, it is, I do need to kind of lay a little bit of background on, on what happened. Uh, this was over 20 years ago, but it was just huge. And uh, I was in the 80s, 1980s, 1990s, I did childbirth education, and I was um, uh, like a labor coach. I went and did births with people, and that was my ministry at that time, and it was all Christ-centered. And, you know, you're doing it for God, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm really in the spirit, and I'm really doing what God wants me to do. And this is just so powerful. You know, I heard you talking a little bit about really knowing the word and really knowing who you are to Christ. And I felt I had all that lined up. And it was just 
amazing, the movement and the spirit and hearing God's voice. And uh, my partner and I, we just, it, it was just a very powerful time in the Lord. And um, I was going to a very small uh, church in, I was in the San Jose, California area. And I was going to this small church and it was uh, one of those, hey, we're really sold out for Jesus. Um, you know, we're the church. We know what's going on. And you know, other churches don't necessarily know what's going on, and but it was just a high, t- you know, you know those kind of churches. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we're the we're the best, we're the most Christian, I guess, is kind of the attitude of the church. But mm-hmm. one thing they were really good at was worship and um, connection. You know, like friendships, connections. So that was the that was kind of where I was at, very feeling very connected with my. Uh, friends at church, feeling very connected with the Spirit of God, feeling very connected with the work that he gave me to do. And um, in that, I had him send me from San Jose to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to actually attend a birth. And it was kind of a lot of testimonies in there about how that all worked out and flying there and getting there. And the mom goes into labor as I'm coming in because I think she relaxed, you know, like, oh, she's coming in. Now, I'm not a midwife. I'm not going as a professional. I'm just going to help the family. And in that particular birth, um, that baby was actually born dead. And I prayed over him and prayed against the spirit of infant death. And we could, you know, actually see this thing fly out of the room and this baby took a breath. Mm. And he came back to life. He's in his 20s now. And um, it was one of those moments where, oh my gosh, you know, you're just moving in the spirit and everything's so going so well, you know, and there's, there's that feeling of there's nothing I can't do, you know, um, in the Lord. I wasn't trying to do it by myself. So this is the, this is where I am. And then, um, a year after that, I was at a birth that was from that church I was talking about. And, when the pastor, which he didn't like to be called a pastor, you know, sometimes here's a clue, you might be in a cultic church, we're elders. He tried to say the Bible didn't have pastors. Um, and I'm like, but what about, you know, pastors, teachers, preach, you know, uh, Ephesians. And he, it was the house of God and lead elders and elders. So that's a clue, I guess, for people that you might want to relook at that. Anyway, he found out that this couple was going to be having a home birth where you were going to be doing the same thing I had done in Pittsburgh in that regard. And he did, he called us out in front of the church, you know, but like Matthew 18, you're supposed to go to the people, you're supposed to talk to them first, bring people along and then call them out in front of the church. But he never even talked to me. He never even talked to this, this family. He just called out in front of the church that we were wrong and we were doing everything wrong. Excuse me. It's very, very dry in Colorado this morning, so um, I have to keep drinking, and my my voice might go a little cracky. I don't know. Anyway, so he goes right up in front of the church, and we are all just floored, if that makes sense. You know, we're just like, why are you not talking to us first? Like, we have no idea he's going to say you guys are wrong, you're not in God's movement. So he essentially curses this, uh, this family's birth um, mm-hmm. in front of the whole church. 
And people who are going to be there and attend start dropping out because, you know, you have to do what the lead elder says. That's, you know, we have to do this. So um, it caused me to question what I was doing. And I really sat down with the Lord and I was like, what, a, what am I supposed to do here? Because the pastor's gone against us. People in the church are going against us. Should, we, should I not be involved in this? Does that make sense? So I heard, because I was very close to the Lord, I was listening to you talking about knowing the Word and, the, and being very close to the heart of God, and I heard the Lord say, no, just go to the birth, and then you'll experience me in ways you never have before. So um, I did, and to make a long story short, that baby died and did not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pastor really went against all of us in front of the church and then uh one of the services that he where he was talking about it he essentially um told everybody i had killed the baby whoa um yeah in front of the whole church so it was a very devastating time it was sort of like one day i had a ministry i had a church i had friends and 24 hours later i had none of that i mean literally just gone so, um, you know, birthing in a sense when you're doing natural birth is sort of a small community. So by the, this, we were at the hospital at 2 because her placenta wouldn't come out. I mean, there's all kinds of things in there. But by 8 o'clock the next morning, everybody in natural birthing, midwives, birth educators, all knew what had happened as well. So um, that's where I'm sitting, and the pastor is, is saying, we killed the baby. It was our rebellion against him that killed the baby. Okay, so we're going, what? Because he had also said from the pulpit, nothing can stop a birth. You could be in the middle of a satanic worship, and this baby could still come out fine and all that stuff. But then when the baby died, it was our rebellion and our sin that killed the baby. And I'm thinking, well, how can that be? Do you know what I mean? If you just said two weeks ago that nothing can control this but God, right? So, um, excuse me. So that was sort of the foundation. And um, it was very interesting because um, I knew an obstetrician in the area pretty well, and I called him and told him what happened. And he basically said to me, I had the exact same scenario in the hospital, and we did everything medically, and the baby still died. And he said, so I hope you don't give up on home birthing and that type of thing, because that's that would be, like, really tragic. Um, and I never have, because I've, I've been a home birth mom myself. But so he's telling me this stuff, and I'm I'm being pushed further and further away. And then the pastor, oh, and this OB said to me, have the parents blamed you? And I said, no, they said it wasn't my fault. And he said, give them four weeks. And he was right, because right about at four weeks, the parents called and said, we want to talk to you, you know. And um, so my husband went with me, and they, he, this, this man started just flooding me with, um, God is mad at you. Uh, you can't just do this stuff. You have to confess that you were wrong and all of these things. Now, I have this word from God I had at the beginning. And when you know your relationship with God, when you know God's the one in charge, how am I going to repent God's word? You know, I mean, okay. he told me to go. And I'm still holding on to I'm going to learn things about him I never knew before. I'm not there yet. But 
that's in me. And how do you then go up in front of your church and say, oh, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to stand on what God told me just because the circumstances were so terrible. Um, and when people don't really have that inside of them, they just turn on God, you know, like I didn't like how it turned out. So I'm going to turn on God. So I'm caught in this being attacked, um, being told I'm wrong and having a word from God, I have to hold on to. Now, into, on top of that, when I gave my, when I became a Christian, when I was born again, I always thought as I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't invite him into my heart. I gave him my life. So here I'm sitting in this and everybody is turning their back on me. Um, we lost a baby. That's very sad. I was sad all the time. I was very close to the family. Um, people are in the birth community are turning against me. My church has turned against me and people I knew are starting to turn against me that I thought were friends. So, um, it got, we left, of course, well, essentially I was shunned out of the church. Does that make sense? Um, and I was even publicly shunned by people from that church. And, and all I ended up feeling at that moment was, you really don't know how stupid you look. Does that make sense? Like they're trying to shun me to make some point and they look really, really stupid and very not Christian. Does that, if that makes sense. And we're supposed to be loved through our hard times. So um, I went back and really did start studying the word based on a lot of what this lead elder had said. And a lot of things that I, he, he had said from the pulpit, I didn't see in the word. And then I also went back because this, this dad that was attacking me, that God was mad at me, he, my life was never going to be right again. This is what people were saying to me. And um, I went back and he hands me a list of scriptures about how God's angry. And that whole entire list of scriptures was from the Old Testament. So I went home and I really sat with that and I thought, wait a minute, um, what is Jesus say, you know, I mean, I get that this is Old Testament that God can be angry, but what does Jesus really, really say? So I spent the next, um, well, a lot of months just really looking at those two things, what this pastor had said from the pulpit versus the word of God, what this dad had handed me that was condemning me versus what Jesus said. And what came out of that study for me was in the New Testament, it is absolutely clear that Jesus was never really angry with people who really tried their best to serve him and got it wrong. You know what I mean? Or did something wrong. Um, and then um, I realized that he, God wasn't mad at me. Is that, wait a second. I am so sorry. My phone started. No, 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 no. It's not you. It's not you. It's the computer. Ah, okay. So sorry about that. Anyway, so, but knowing that didn't take away immediately the trauma I had gone through, first with the birth, and then with this pastor saying that I had killed the baby, and then he said from the pulpit, too, that um, there was all this, uh, like, uh, uh, meconium. Do you know what that is? Like a baby has a bowel movement before it's born. Mm -hmm. And it comes out and then it can mean a lot of things depending on how much, but it could mean a baby that's in distress. So he, and I never saw any meconium at the birth or just very, very tiny. And he says, 
there was all this meconium, and I have no idea what he's talking about. And um, so I'm trying to figure out why are people saying this, you know? And and I and I don't remember anything. And you know, when people are traumatized, they can go into a dissociative state and they forget stuff or they don't remember details. And that's sort of where I was at. Um, and then people would say, "Oh, I want to meet with you." And I'm thinking, "Oh, they want to talk through and be supportive." And all they wanted to do was attack me and mm. tell me that I was wrong and you know. It was all my fault, and why wasn't I repenting? And it, part of me was like, what am I – I really did sit with Jesus a lot. Is there something I need to be repenting for? You know, you, I did pursue that, but I wasn't going to repent for what they were saying because that was counter to what God was saying to me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I'm asking Jesus, what do I need to repent for? And so over time um, – one of the things that did come out, because, you know, like I said, I was pursuing, do I need to repent for something? And, you know, he really did show me pride. A lot of times we don't understand we're being prideful. So he showed me that I did have a lot of pride um, in this area. And so I went through a lot of work repenting. But I was just so um, distraught. You know, you mentioned in one of the things that he will heal us when we're broken. And I was shattered, if that makes sense. I was in many, many pieces on the floor and trying to figure out how do you put that back together. And then I went um, into uh, depression really bad. And we moved. We moved to Colorado. And after that, um, the depression got really, really bad. I mean, very deep clinical level depressions. Um, And so uh, I'm living out of feeling like I have no purpose. I'm clinically depressed. I My friends that I'd had, even that weren't involved in this, started kind of falling away because they couldn't deal with the depression. They couldn't deal with how, quote, unquote, needy I was. And I was emotionally just a mess. And um, I might get emotional here because it was really – after giving my life to Christ and having like my pre-Christian life go through healing and then you're serving God, this was pro- the worst because you're like, I really want to walk out God's purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm completely sold out to that. And then why does he let this happen? <laughs> I hear this a lot. Why does God let this happen? And I was definitely in the why God, why state of being and not not feeling like I had a purpose, not knowing what I was supposed to be doing, um, lost, just completely lost. Now, before this event, I had a very conversational relationship with God where I would sit and pray with him. I could really hear him. I would know when it was God and when it wasn't. I mean, I had worked really hard on my my connection to him, as you said earlier, like really knowing his word and all that. And all of a sudden, it seemed like none of that was doing anything for me. I just have to say that, you know. Um, but, again, I had given my life to Jesus. I had not given my life to man. And I saw other people who went through what I call the meat grinder of this church just completely walk away from their faith, you know, just go back to drinking or go back to this. And I would sit there and I would think, this is really super, super hard. And I would like to walk away, but I wasn't serving men. I was serving Jesus. 
And if this is what I have to go through, that's fine. But when I would pray, I, it would be like I was in a desert, like I was hearing the wind blow. I wasn't hearing the word of God. I was feeling very separated from him. But then um, I also had in me, if I'm a Bible-believing Christian, if that's what I tell people I am, then regardless of how I'm feeling, even though it was really dark, I need to be doing what the Bible says. And the Bible said not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. So um, I was, that was one of my things. I looked for a church I could lock into. I looked for people I could connect to because that was the word of God. But I wasn't really connecting because of the depression. You know what I mean? I was like just going <laughs> to church. Um, and we shared it with a pastor, and then he changed the way he treated us. And so this is one of the reasons I didn't talk about it a lot after that, because um, he treated us worse, if that makes sense, Um, like we were going to somehow taint his church. So my husband got really frustrated and stopped going to church, but I kept going because that's what the Word of God said to go. And it's funny how even when you're in a really dark time and you don't even know really what you're doing, you can some times be a testimony to people. So I pulled into the church parking lot one Sunday and this lady got out of her car and she said, hey, I just wanted to talk to you for a minute. And I said, okay. And she said, I just wanted to tell you how much you um, are ministering to me because you're here at church every Sunday, even if your husband's not coming. And she goes, I don't know if I would do that. And I was like, but why would you not when your relationship with God is your own? So I'm trying to sort this all out. And I literally am basically like sitting in my home. I'm not doing much. I'm not, I feel like I have no purpose and I'm not hearing God's voice and I'm trying to read the word. It's kind of going flat for me. And um, that depression did get bad enough. Let's see, it was five, about five years of clinical depression. And um, I did get to the point where I thought maybe I should just kill myself because I am useless, you know. Um, And it was a tough time because I'm not a person who would generally think suicidal, but that's how dark this got. It got so bad. And I literally would physically have pain in my chest, like my heart hurt all the time. And um, sorry. I didn't feel understood by anybody. Um, My friends all left me, and I, you know, so, and I had failed God. So what was the point? You know, you can get to that place sometimes. And my husband was out of town, and I really thought, I mean, I spent an entire day just like, I might as well just, kill myself because, well, I had been thinking about it, but this was a serious day because I'm pointless. You know, there's, my family doesn't get me, my friends are gone. Um, I was just completely alone, if that makes sense. So I really, really seriously thought about it and I thought, well, I'll just take, you know, the typical woman approach. I'll just take some pills But then, um, and I actually went to the store and bought some, and my 16-year-old, my son who was 16 at the time, was in the house. He was the only one here at the house with me. Everybody else was gone. And um, 
I started looking at that, and I just was in my room with the door closed the whole day. But, you know, Barbara, God kept telling me, are you seriously going to make your 16-year-old son have to find you and then call his dad and tell him? That's what God kept saying to me. But I also kept saying, I don't want to be a Christian if this is what it's like. And every time I would just be like, I wish I could just walk away I would hear the Holy Spirit say to me, but where are you going to go? He's the Christ. And because I had given my life to him, I was like, I don't have anywhere else to go. You know, I mean, there's nothing else out in the world that this is bad right at the moment, but it's still not going to be worse than what's in the world. But I just will go be with God. And so, uh, he keeps reminding me, you have a 16-year-old in the house. You can't do this to him. And then I researched the pills, and it was like, you could get liver damage. You could end up in the hospital instead of dead. You could end up just, you know, having medical problems your whole life. And I don't want that. I mean, it's all or nothing with me. Um, and I was just like, all or nothing. And I'm just sitting there. I literally am laying on my bed. I'm throwing this thing up in the air, this bottle, and catching it. And thinking and pondering and praying and knowing the word and knowing what it would do to my son. And um, I finally threw this bottle across the room and I said out loud, fine, even if I never hear your voice again, I will just serve you the rest of my life. And God spoke. And it was just that it was a choice point. You know, I, I remember that being like we have choice points. And this was five years of just clawing through darkness and the enemy just really trying to take me out. And once I made the decision that I'm going to serve him, even if I'm in pain, even if I don't ever hear his voice again, he started to speak to me again and he started to show me a plan and a purpose. And when he started to show me that plan and that purpose, it doesn't always come together in one big chunk and the first thing he told me to do was to go to graduate school at that point. And um, I was still coming up out of that depression, and so I started looking for where he wanted me to go and do all that. But I also sat down and I felt like I have a part in this. I, I have to do something. You know, a lot of times we just sit and we're like, God, you know, make me skinny. God, just bring me out of this. And... Um, we wait for him to do it for us, but really we have a part that we have to act on. We have to do something ourselves. So while I was still feeling some of the depression, I started really praying, okay, God, what am I, what do I personally need to do to be helping this situation? What is, what is it you want, need me to do? And he's so, it's so interesting sometimes how God brings answers to you. Um, because we always want that lightning bolt from the sky to come down and say, Pauline, this is what I want you to do. But it, it also comes, you know, it's like, but you put something out to God and then things start to come into your world that are like, oh, this might be the answer. So while I also have a conversational relationship with him, he also uses other people and other things. So almost like the very next day, um, I was reading a magazine, and there was an article in there about um, 
women in Japan who don't really get very much postpartum depression because they have a lot of fish and they eat a lot of omega-3s. And all of a sudden, I instantly knew God was telling me I needed omega-3 for my brain, you know, to to be able to function properly, for the physical part to be able to do its thing correctly so that I could pursue and hear and change my thoughts. You know, people often will say, you know, I was kind of stuck in Romans 7 with, you know, I keep doing what I don't want to do and I can't seem to do what I want to do, that Paul was saying. And um, the other one that people like to throw out is is 1 Corinthians 10.5. Just take your thoughts captive. And it's like, I'm trying, and I don't seem to be able to do it. And so am I even a good Christian? Am I even, you know, really, am I fooling myself? And so, um, uh, but, you know, we're body, mind, and spirit. And so, and I always knew and believed that. So I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing to help my physical peace to be able to receive my spiritual peace to help me to change my emotional peace? Does that make sense? Uh-huh. <laughs> And so this this omega-3 thing came up, and I really felt like he was saying, you need to take some high levels for a while because you want to take almost a clinical level to really get the body part back in shape. So I started there. And the other thing he um, told me was exercise because there was a lot of research coming out that exercise can work as well as, say, an antidepressant, um, which I'm not a – person who turns to that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And during that entire five years, my, I know my counselor sometimes was frustrated because I was absolutely, I am not going to take drugs. This is a spiritual, emotional, physical problem. This is not a drug problem. And um, if, you know, if I'm really learning how to be what God wants me to be, I don't need that. I need more of Jesus, more of the word. And it was just it's hard to explain the depth, you know, that I went to on the, some of that. So he told me to start the omegas um, and exercise, which was not a thrilling idea to me. <laughs> but the point was, drug yourself, drug myself into oblivion or do the things God's telling me to do. And um, it was hard. I didn't, I didn't like getting up to exercise. So, but, you know, now I tell my clients this too, just go slow. So I got up and I put my workout clothes on and I sat on my exercise machine. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just got up and got dressed and sat on the machine. And I did that for a couple of weeks and then it was like, well, I'm here. I might as well start exercising. But inside that, there was another piece. It's like I said, it's so layered. There's so many moments where Jesus stepped in and directed me. But, you know, he, I had to get to a point where I was ready to hear him, I was ready. I had to say, I just don't want to do it. I'm just being real. I'm just in a rebellious place. And, I, I, you know, Jesus helped me to come out of that. And I had to convince myself to be obedient, if that makes sense. Because um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be. I had served God so much, and these terrible things were happening. So in the de- time of depression, um, <clears throat> two things were going on. One was I actually started to cut. You know, you've heard of cutters. And I actually started to cut, and it's for different people, different reasons. Um, For me, I had to cut till I saw blood so I would know that I hadn't actually already died and didn't know it. That's how bad the depression was. Is every Mm -hmm. once in a while I'd feel like 
people don't see me. I don't exist. So then I would cut and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm bleeding, so I guess I'm still alive, you know. Um, And I had to stop that and I had to be obedient because it was what I was turning to to calm me down instead of really turning to the Lord, you know, to calm my anxieties and my depressions. And um, I had some days where I was going to be alone in my house for a few days. My husband was taking the kids somewhere. I can't remember where because this was back in like 19. This would probably be about 2000 and 2000, 2001, right in that time frame. And um, I decided that I was going to stop this no matter what it took. And I needed to be alone because I needed to have that space to do the um, screaming and crying (laughs) that you need to do when you're trying to come out of something. But you were saying earlier before I came on, you need to know the Word of God. You know, you need to know the Word of God. And I did know the Word of God. I just wasn't exercising the Word of God, if that makes sense. So I spent about four days, and I I know this isn't like totally scriptural, but, you know, it's like idle hands or the devil's playground kind of thing. Um, I had these balls of yarn in my house, and I walked around my house for four days rolling balls of yarn to keep my hand busy, praying, crying, knowing the word, and I was literally saying these things out loud. I choose even though I wasn't there yet, I choose to believe what the Word of God says about me, like who I am to God. I choose to believe I'm a child of God. I choose to believe that He loves me. And then the next minute I'd be crying again and the enemy would be like, oh, that's a lie. Look what he put you through. And, you know, it was almost minute by minute. One minute I'm solid, the next minute the enemy was going after my mind again. And that over the four days kept stretching out like, oh, I could make it like five minutes where I really believed that God saw me, that God was in this again, that God wanted something for me out of this, that I was going to choose to believe the word. And that was an interesting time because then five minutes later, the enemy would be attacking my mind. None of that's true. God doesn't see you anymore. He doesn't care about you anymore. And then I would cry, and then I'd take a deep breath, and then I would, I choose to believe what the Word of God says. And by the end of that four days, um, I was pretty solid in the fact that, number one, I did stop cutting and have never cut again. And number two, um, I really was like, the Word of God is very true for us, you know, and I could feel Him very present, you know, rely on me. And and I, all of that is the truth. The word, my word is true for you. Um, and it broke. And that was also when <clears throat> he was telling me, do the uh, omega-3s and start the exercising. All that was kind of in the same time frame. And um, so that broke. And then the enemy doesn't quit. You know, he's going to keep trying to get you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sorry, just a second. Um, and he was, you know, and he still tries, you know, I mean, he still tries to knock on the same doors that have always worked. I've just gotten to a place where I'm like, Jesus, do you want to get that for me? You know, or no, that's not true. Or I can, I understand the schemes of the enemy. Like we're told in, um, second, uh, second, you know, do not be ignorant to the schemes of the enemy. And I became very clear over the next few years, what his schemes were against me to keep me 
from being effective for the kingdom and keep me from being effective for God. And so it also says that we have to walk out our faith. So it wasn't like, oh, instantly everything was perfect. I had to now walk out mm-hmm. the things that God had shown me. And that took some time. And then it was so funny because he started then, you know, telling me to go to graduate school, telling me to work out, telling me to do these omega-3s. And um, that's what I did. I had to do it. You know, I had to do it. He was telling me, this is how I'm going to heal you. If you want to be healed, you need to do these things. And my mind started to relax in. However, um, he was telling me to do my master's thesis on trauma after cesareans, which was birth-related, and do my doctoral dissertation on postpartum mood disorders, which was birth-related, which is what I didn't want to do. I didn't want anything to do with birth anymore. You know, it was like, it was just too painful. It reminded me too much, so I still had areas of work. And... So I had to do my master's thesis, and I didn't want to do that. And um, I sat, sat on my exercise machine, and I was working out, but I sat down. And God is so funny. He's got a sense of humor. People got to know that. And he talks to people the way that he can get through to them. So yes. I said to him, God, I don't want to do that. Can't you give me something else? And I heard him clear as a bell say, I can, but I'm not going to. And I was, you know, I was like, uh, so I had, I'm like, okay, I need to submit to this thing, right? I need to submit to what he's telling me to do, even though it's a painful process and even though I don't really want to do it. But as soon as I submitted to it, it went very, very well and very quickly. And, you know, and obviously I ended up getting my doctorate and I did do postpartum disorders for my doctorate. Um, And through, going, through just taking a step, not even knowing what the outcome was going to be, but just through taking that step to go to school, that also started to bring, like, clarity of mind, if that makes sense. Like, I mm-hmm. am in my purpose. So mm-hmm. I, felt, I had felt for a few years, like, um, I can't go do that because I'm this waste of space kind of thing. I've done this terrible thing. When I make a mistake, somebody dies. That was one of the things the enemy told me. So I don't want to be a counselor because that means I have people's lives in my hands again. And um, God just kept saying, just go to school, you know, just go to school. And I'm jumping 16 steps ahead of him. Um, It it, it just, it really took out a few years of my life. And it really, um, I felt for a long time, like if people knew this stuff about me, they would not believe me as a, a testimony for God, if that makes sense. But whenever it would come up or it would be helpful for somebody, if I talked about it, it was helpful to them. It wasn't mm-hmm. them looking at me. I, you know, I had to really deal with my pride. I got extremely humbled. Um, and it's like we were supposed to be humbled, but then the church and the people wanted to humiliate me, not just humble me, but humiliate me. And so I was humiliated, and um, I had to dig up from that. And, you know, it was interesting because (laughs) the way counseling works in Colorado, you don't have to be licensed. So I was still in school when um, 
God said to me, you, you need to start counseling, and I didn't want to do it. It was another arena of, oh, I don't want to do this. So working into, okay, Lord, you know, not my way, your way. Um, and I had a lot of those, not my way, your way. Once I kind of came through the darkest point. Um, and then I've talked about this on your show before, the power of forgiveness. And that was brought in, and I had to do a lot of hours of forgiveness for all these people involved in this. Um just so that I could move forward, like I could even move forward with the church, that I could even um, sit in church and not feel like I was being condemned or, you know, walk, going home and having to just sit with, okay, Lord, what was I supposed to get out of that um, kind of thinking. So it was, a, it was a very, very dark point, as I said. So now everybody can see where I am. It's easy. I have people sometimes. I had somebody say to me one time, "You've never gone through a bad thing in your life, have you?" And I'm like, "Oh, honey, how many days do you have?" Not only before I gave my life to Jesus, went through that healing, and then having my whole face shut, you know, like like shaken up, like a, like a thousand piece puzzle and thrown on the floor, and like, okay, now make a picture out of that that God can use. And I feel like I have, you know, um, brought that forward. And and it's interesting because once you go through something like that, then God will use that. And so it's like right now, um, I actually am starting these two two-hour workshops. One is based on that Romans 7, like why do I do what I don't want to do and can't seem to do what I want to do. And I'm, you know, going through how trauma affects the brain, how it creates thought patterns how we get stuck in those thought patterns, that kind of thing. And then the second part is how do I stop doing that? And it's and, and it is going through more of this is the body piece of what I just talked about. You know, what does God want you to do to take care of your body and your brain so you can hear him and how he wants to take you forward out of situations um, and connect differently and not be always uh, acting and reacting to your pain. So those are actually starting up right now. You know, I have a friend who's teaching nutrition, who's a health and nutrition coach, who's a Christian, and she's doing the second part with me. And we're starting those, and we're going to move them to webinars. But, you know, a lot of it, I've always thought psychonutrition was important. But to be able to really have gone through it and then be able to now bring it to people, that that's exciting. You know, now I'm like, wow, you know, God's making something beautiful out of the ashes. Um, and it's, I didn't know what he was going to do with it. I mean, I have sat, I have sat on a lot of this stuff for a lot of years. And then every once in a while, it just comes up like this here. This is something that you can take from this terrible thing that happened to you. You know, it's the Romans eight twenty eight that God will eventually make all things good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But you can't say that to somebody in the immediate initial um, trauma because it's like I knew that in my brain, but I didn't see it happening. And it's interesting to now, all these years later, sort of like Joseph was, you know, 22 years from the word to the governor, and he knew that word and I knew that word was in me but I had to be humbled I had to be taught a lot of things I had to be trained and educated too 
And um, now it's all sort of coming together, if that makes sense. So there was a lot in there. I mean, there's more, but <laughs> that's a lot. Well, this, this is what I know. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No. Mm-hmm. There's a cross for everyone, and I know there's a cross for me. Now, check this mm-hmm. out. All that Jesus went through, it was not for him. Mm-mm. He was the word. In the beginning, he was the word, and he was the savior right. of the world. So what he went through, all the suffering, they wanted to throw him off the cliff, and they called him a liar, all kind of stuff, that was not for him. Now, I want to share this with you today. All that you've gone, gone through, that was not for you. Now, look now, remember Jesus felt every lick they hit him. When he was carrying that cross up Calvary's hill, he felt the weight of the cross. When they yeah. put the nails in his hands and his feet, he felt the pain of that thing. So all that you felt, all that you've gone through, See, a lot of times we don't understand, but those were trials, and not only trials, those were, uh, I want to call them classes. When the people mm-hmm. came against you, when the pastor wanted yeah. to control you, see, it, it, what, what you didn't realize because you was looking at the people and you were feeling in your flesh, I know the word of God. God said, do it. I did what he said. Now, whatever they say. Yeah. They can go ahead with that. Now, I, I, I got to be honest with you about me. I would have left that church. Oh, I did. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because how can two walk together except you agree? I know God oh, yeah. told me to do this. I know he told me to do this. And you telling me to do that, I got to get on. Because you don't know God. Yeah. Absolutely. But let me tell you a little bit about leaving that church, okay, because this is key, too. I, You know, we started looking around for other churches to go to because, again, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. So one of the churches that we went to to visit in San Jose, I was talking to the pastor after the church, and he was asked, you know, how they ask, oh, you know, where are you new Have to the area, Have you whatever. So I told him about the church we were leaving. And he says to me, you know, we used to have an exit ministry just for people leaving that church. So maybe we need to start it up again because we're getting more people. That's, that's how the reputation the church had. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So, I mean, we did find a place in San Jose, too, until we moved to Colorado Springs. But, um, don't, yeah, like you just said. God said to do it, so that's what I have to do, even though my flesh is in pain or my emotions are in pain. But they're a part of me as well, a part of how he made me. So I needed to, as you say, learn the lessons of those. And, um, you know, they're they're never over, are they? I mean, I am like, I'm so, I don't know about you, but like the older I get, the less I care about all that. I, I mean, I care about banks. I don't care about that stuff. I don't stay there. I don't focus there. And when you go through something like this, I notice, oh yeah, that kind of hurt me a little bit, but hey, I got all this wonderful stuff I got to go do for Jesus. So um, yeah, makes a huge difference. 
Sorry, and, and I, I want to tell, excuse me, Dr. Dillon, I want to say this to the new believers, to the newcomers. Yes. I want to give you three things. Uh, the word of God. Faith, mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to grow your faith as much as possible daily. And you got to learn mm-hmm. to trust God as much as possible. Because, see, the enemy going to come in, he, and his job is to steal kill and destroy. John 10, 10 says, right. Jesus right. come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Because see what's going to happen. He want to pull you out of your place uh, in God. Yeah, he want to pull you mm-hmm. up. See, look what he did for you now. He had you to do yeah. the ministry that you're doing right now. Marriage, birthing, all of that. Because see, he needed somebody who know him in there working with families. He needed somebody who know him working with couples, who gonna tell them the truth, who gonna tell them according to his word, what's gonna make their marriage good. You see, he don't need nobody telling them, well, hey, if your wife can't give you sex tonight, then you go get somebody else. Or you bring another woman in your bedroom. Now that's crazy. But he needs somebody gonna tell a couple the truth according to his word. Now I'm gonna tell you what's help helpful. Uh, not not looking at what people are talking about. You gotta stay with God at any cost. And I'm gonna tell you, along the way, you're gonna lose a lot of friends. Yeah. All the family members gonna walk away from you. That cousin that said they love you to death, that cousin to get on away from you. I learned this at an early age in my walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. When People came that I didn't want around because I, I, I didn't want to feel influenced by them. When they came around, yeah. I talked about I talked about his word. Have you ever read this in the scripture? Yeah, I would do stuff like that. I heard from the Lord this yeah. morning. And he said yeah. this it wasn't long before these people just disappeared. And when I looked around, it was somewhat I was by myself. Now one more thing. Yeah. How would you like it, Dr. Dillard, if your children, your biological children, you done suffered to train these children and to raise them up, and you didn't send them to church, you took them to church, and they got the right teachings. But how about right. it if they left you, they turned their back on you, they said all kind of crazy stuff about you, they said you was gay when you know beyond a shadow of doubt, ooh, ain't no way. So I've also had that happen. Um, Yeah, I have had that happen, Barbara. And in the midst of coming out of that depression, I had a 17-year-old son get his girlfriend pregnant. And it was like, what in the heck is going on, Jesus? You know, I served you and served you and served you. And it's like because they're their own people with their own choices. And then it's, I'm not going to go into detail, but there were a lot of years where he didn't speak to me, you know. I mean, he came around and he got married and had kids that way too, but they didn't really speak to me for probably about 10 years. And, you know, God is a God of reconciliation. And I spent a lot of time praying and how should I act? How should I behave? What should I respond to? And we're just say in the last year or so having relationships again, but they're not like that deep stuff, but yes. And then I also had a child who was a drug addict that disappeared for a while, went to prison, you know, that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. And like you, it's like I took them to church. I went with them. I showed them this stuff. And now what? You know, what okay. is this about? Well, now, now, it's about their free choice. Let me mention this to you. When he was going through all of these things, who was there with him? When he was going through, when they beat him all night long, who was there on his side with him? What family member, what friend, what preacher? He went to the synagogues with those over the synagogue. What, where was the people for him? He had 12 to disciples. Uh huh. Who yeah. was there with him? Uh-huh. Who, who was there? Many, many of the disciples they had the last supper. Uh, Peter and different ones said, "I'll die for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll never leave you." But when he was going through this, now who was there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Only, only and, he was there. So look, you know, and you're and and you're back to knowing your word because when you are in that place of isolation, Jesus also said. When you are, are, when this stuff is happening to you, it's because of me. It's not you. And I had to keep reminding myself of that, too. It's because people hate the Jesus in me. And the enemy really wants to use family, church, to try to knock me out of the game completely for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and that's ultimately where I was able to come to. But what I want people to understand is it doesn't mean you don't suffer. It doesn't mean you don't go through this stuff. It doesn't mean you're wrong if you're having a hard time. It just means where is my faith? Who what? Who and what am I putting my faith in? And I just wanted to not forget to mention, too, remember I said at the beginning, God said, do that birth and you'll experience me in ways you never have before. And I have experienced him in ways I never have before in a deeper way, in a more kind of shedding the world and not letting it affect um, who I am and what I do for God. Um, I mean, I even told my pastor not a couple of weeks ago, you know what, you go up on that pulpit and sometimes you say things and I, and I think, yeah, no, that, no, that's not what I need to be doing or who I am because I know who I am in God so that I don't have to do it because you said it. And he laughed and he goes, well, I'm glad to hear that actually. So that's, you know, like a, a real pastor. He's putting truth out there, but if it's not where you are, but sometimes he puts something out there that I don't necessarily think is a truth from God, if that makes sense, because we all can say something. And I'm like, no, not doing it. Um, and he's fine with it, you know, because we all can make mistakes. Yeah, well, he, he, he said this. So you'll, well, first of all, come. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as solid, I will wash you as white as snow. So he knew you're going to make mistakes. He knew there was a possibility of you falling. He (laughs) would know that there would be many that even backslide. But listen, the key to this thing today is this. The word of God. You got to know it. You got to get in it. You got to bathe in it. You got to yeah, wallet in it. Do. And if you know that this is the word of God, you apply it and follow that word. Mm-hmm. Because see, the enemy mm-hmm. will send people to try and distract you. And that look, look that yeah. was a horrible thing for you to go through. That was, look, and look, even without the people saying anything, nobody had to say nothing. You was going to feel bad anyway because of the baby's death. 
that was yeah. already going to be on you. Yep. And then the internet, yeah. he saw that and he said, hey, y'all, come on over here, pastor. You beat her down. Y'all invited yeah. to a group and each one of y'all take a turn beating her down. But right. the word of God was important. Faith was important. Trust was important mm-hmm. because you got to stand. You always must stand. After standing, you stand some more. Why, Barbara? You're standing on a sure foundation. You're standing on the word of God. Yeah. Sometimes that standing looks like curled up in a ball in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But it, but but it was that curled up in the ball of the corner was like really bringing my sorrows and my grief to God and you know in that moment I did ask him a lot of whys and 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 actually what I learned and I'm also share I share with a lot of people in the counseling and I'll share now is God doesn't usually answer your why question but you know what He does answer what what am I supposed to do with this. And he'll go, this is what I want you to do with it. Like I said, now we're coming around to these workshops. And that's yeah. a piece of this is what I want you to do with this. Yeah. And but I stopped said, asking the why question, and I started focusing on the what question. Yes, because the why, and, the why, Dr. Dilla, show God this, you're not sure about him. It show God you like it real low down, right. way down there in faith. Yeah. Because we yeah. walk by faith and not by sight. We we don't see where we're going. We mm-hmm. trust God. You see how after what he right. told you, now get on over there to school. Go on, on over there. I, I'm not going to yeah, yeah. do what you talk about. No, no, no. Go on to school because the answer for you is going to be in those classes. The answer for Correct. you is going to yeah. be keeping your mind busy and focusing on me. Because you're going to need right. to get through these classes. See, so through all right. the classes and everything, I'm going to strengthen you in your faith, your walk with me, your relationship with me, right. and you're going to be able right. to know for yourself that I am. Because look, every Christian go through this thing right here. One, if God is really yeah. real. Uh, yep. He didn't tell you to go and do that. Are you sure about yeah. this? You sure you're a Christian? Because you know you used to uh, smoke marijuana. You know you used to drink liquor. Well, not me, but how many ever years ago <laughs> did I do that thing? I had my other thing. But, um, yeah. That's what I tell the devil this. I'm no longer that person. If any man be a Christ, right. he's a new creature. But see, he brings these things right. to battle you, to keep you from coming up in God. And when I say after standing, stand some more, you might in the fetal position. You might be on the bathroom floor. You may be outside yep. in the cold with nowhere to go, but guess what? You're standing because you yet believe in the word of God. You yet keeping faith in God and you yet trust mm-hmm. in God. Yeah. So right. that, that's how you stand in the word of God. Yes. Go ahead. I was going to say, and in that, the screaming and the crying and the anger, he can take it all. And I discovered that if I just went and just allowed myself to pour out the truth of what was going on with my heart, that was then where he could enter into it. But if I was trying to block it and be all pious and holy about, you know, oh, you can't be angry with God, um, I found out that if I was doing that, then I wasn't talking to him. I was blocking him because I was trying to behave in a particular manner. But when I just 
poured it out and honestly told him what I was thinking and feeling. He just always took me in and said, I understand. And now here's what we're going to do with that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I even did forgiveness prayers for God just so I would make sure I opened up those areas of my heart to him. And people struggle with that sometimes when I'm like, well, are you mad at God for anything? And let's open up that area. Let's scream and cry about it. And then let's see what he has to say about it. And um, (laughs) I said to him one time, as I said, he's very conversational with me. I said to God one time, why do you always make me do these hard things you don't make other people do? And I heard him say, because you will. And he said, you're going to scream and cry about it. But when you're done with that, you're going to do what I need you to do. So I kind of started skipping the screaming and crying part as I got older. <laughs> um, and I just go, okay, fine. Might as well just go do it. But I had to go through that for myself to know I was completely acceptable to God, no matter what my struggles were. Okay. Because, see, look, we can know the word. We can know the word of God. But unless we're mm-hmm. walking according to the word, unless we're applying mm-hmm. his word mm-hmm. to our daily life, that's why I had Brother Louis to go to James 1. James will tell you, yeah. don't just be a knower of the word, uh, uh, you know, but yeah. you got to be a doer. Don't just know it, do yeah. it. And yeah. it will and, and yeah. tell you when it gets easy, when you let your flesh go. When you, yeah, when you make don't. up your mind, when you make your mind up, because yeah. it takes a well-made up mind, and you say this, God, I know you're real. You've been real in my life. Mm-hmm. But I want to mm-hmm. be real in you. I want to be real yeah. in you. Because, see, he's real. But we got to get yeah. real with him. And then we got to tell him this. Not my will, yeah. but your will be done. And we got to be willing to Absolutely. Yeah. See, you know, and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just was in so much angst over what he had to do that he bled. Mm-hmm. He he prayed so hard that he was bleeding, and that also yeah. freed me. See, knowing the word freed me to know it's okay for me to go before God and bleed my heart out and feel like my yeah. flesh is being torn off my body yeah. until I get to, okay, your will, not mine. Your will, not yeah. mine. But even yeah. Jesus prayed through that, and that's where he actually shed his blood for us was in that I have to do this until he bled, and then, okay, fine, I'm ready. Your will, not mine. And, boy, I see that, and I'm like, wow, we have a God who understands everything we go through. We have through it so that we would know he understood it, you know, and that we don't have to only look at, yeah, he he eventually walked it out, but he also struggled into it. And that just, wow, to me was, so such a blessing to know that that process is a part of it too. Until you get to break yourself down, let your flesh rip off. Until, like you just said, we get to not my will, yours. And that was what he put me through, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, yeah. well, see, we got we, this we walk. Remember is, this. We, we remember this what? too, Doctor Phillips. We remember this. Many are called by God. Listen to me. Many yeah. are called by God. Right. But only a few are chosen. I, I got my friend Casper on here. Good morning, Casper. God bless you. He said, he, he said, that's the question right there. I ask God all the time, why do I get hard things to do and I see others <laughs> just failing along? 
<laughs> yes, it seems like it. <laughs> yeah. I said that we each have different suffering to go through. And you right. were chosen, Casper, like Dr. Dillard. So, look, if you chose, yeah. you're you going to go through something, and, and your job going to be bigger and harder. But it, it's only harder when you allow your flesh to come up more than the spirit man. Because the scripture mm-hmm. says, walk in the spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. I bet we may not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Right, so when right. you pay more attention to the natural man than you do in the spirit of God, it's going to get hard. But he knows that you're going to do it because he knows that you truly want to, but your flesh. Remember the scripture says this, mm-hmm. the spirit is willing, but the flesh is indeed weak. Right, right, right. And, Go well, ahead. and... um. A life first for me has always been 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And essentially my paraphrase is God doesn't give us more than we can handle. But then I always go, I just don't want to handle what he gives me is usually when I'm struggling with him or in angst about it. But he really doesn't give me more than I can handle. It's just like what I'm handling. And the other things uh, that I wanted to share there on that point is comparison is a scheme of the enemy. And so when I start, when I realized I was comparing by saying, why don't they have to do it? And why do I have to do it? And all that. Um, then the enemy could get in there and keep me from doing it because I, you know, that person doesn't have to do it. So I shouldn't have to do it. And as I've grown and grown and gotten older in the Lord, I also realized that God doesn't give them more than they can handle either. So when it looks like they're skating through, it might be because they are weaker and I, I'm not, I'm stopped judging that. Does that make sense? Like I yes. just kind of am like, well, I don't necessarily agree with it or I don't see them growing, but that's not really my place. I don't know their story. I don't know their strengths. I don't know their weaknesses. Um, and then when I get in there working with people who are doing that, they, those people that you see kind of like aren't doing much, when I'm in counseling with them, they're weeping and crying because they don't know how to connect to God. They don't know what their purpose is. Okay. Um, and so I have to help them with that. <laughs> okay. Now you see that. And see, let me tell you about me. And I thank God for God. I thank God for God. Yes. <laughs> I thank God for what he has done in my life, in my head, in my mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. I thank him for it. Because guess what? Trust for me is a big, big to-do. Trust, yes. oh, that's the biggest thing in the world for me. I learned to mm-hmm. trust God. I've mm-hmm. been in this thing since 1993. So learning yeah. to fully trust him, guess what happens to me? I don't go through nothing. He bring me through everything. You hear me? Yes, All I, I do hear you. All yeah. I deserve is death. I am simply a sinner that by the grace of God, he right. saved. I'm not doing nothing. Yes. I don't question him. I don't, oh, look at them. Louis don't do all of that. Look, Louis home with Sherry. I, I don't do all that. Oh, look at Sion and David. They married it. I'm still single. No, 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 no. Yes. Listen, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Listen to this. We pray that I God know. send you on laborers. But this is the thing. What about the labor he called you to? You can't compare your labor to no one else's. But right. all it is about right. when you grow in faith, when you grow in the word of God, 
when you grow in trust yeah. in God. Yeah. All of yeah. these would be great blessings. When you see, now look, <laughs> a <pop laughs> boat ride. Her, her mm-hmm. load is heavy, but she's chosen. That load she got is super heavy. I can yeah. bear her load, but my load I can bear. I had to tell a pastor why yeah. that. She, I want that gift Barbara got. I want, look here, you don't want this? Because I had yep. to go through the here. I had to go through the lesson. I had to go to school. And look here, many days yeah. I was in the class by myself and there was no lunch break. We didn't go to gym. Yeah. So right. And you know, go ahead. I ha- I had a similar thing happen, you know. I had somebody in in my office say, "Would you pray for me to be able to have the gifts that you have?" Mm. And I looked at her and I said, "Well, why do you want to limit God like that?" And she was like, "What?" And I said, "Well, why do you want to limit him? Maybe he has greater things for you than he okay. even has for me. But if you mm-hmm. pray to limit it to what I have, you've limited God in your life." She was like, oh, I said, why don't we pray that you receive and are prepared for everything he has for you? For you. Because look, she did not want to go through that church persecution. She didn't want to go through that. Believe me, she did. No. She didn't want to go through no, you that. Don't. Do I have God or don't I have it? No, she didn't want none of that. No. No, you, you know, you, you need to be prepared, yeah, in your own way for all he has for you. Yes, and, yes. you know, that's what people should be praying, not I want what Barbara has or I want what Dr. Pauline has, but I want all that God has for me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's a, that's a brave prayer because, Barbara, I used to pray that. I want all that you have for me. Oh, lovely. This is where that went. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I mean? But it's like, be brave. and. I didn't know I was praying a brave prayer that was going to send me through, you know, okay. the persecutions and the darkness and, and then come out into a light, a completely stronger mm-hmm. Christian even, and even more faithful and mm-hmm. more prepared for whatever God throws at me. Um, yeah. because, but, but, yeah, but be prepared, people. If you start praying, God... Prepare wow. me and, and uh, move me into my purpose. Be ready okay. for something. Okay. <laughs> you know? I, I had the police officer come, and he's a minister. And he said he uh-huh. prayed, and he told the Lord, whatever you need me to do, wherever you send me, God, I want to just, if you got to send me by myself, send me. He didn't know what he was saying. He was a police officer, and he know he was arrested for murder. Do y'all hear me? Now, he oh. got out of it because oh, he didn't no. do it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's how that went. Hold, hold on one minute, Doctor Dillard. Hold on one minute. Good morning. Okay. So, um, have you have you had? Oh, she loud. She at work. She got her hands raising. Maybe she didn't mean to raise it. She dispatches. So she dispatches okay. with buses and all. So she's at work, but I see her hand raised over in the studio. But listen, okay. I thank, I thank God for your experience because now you know, now you know. <laughs> I know, and it's amazing to, you know, when you're a helper, when you're in a helping place, when God puts you in a place like this, which, by the way, I never wanted to be a counselor. That was where he, he sent me, you know. 
and I especially never wanted to do marriage. So just try telling God, no, I never want to do that. Um, and, you know, then he introduced me to a model of marriage counseling that works really well. And I have like an 83% success rate. But, you know, when you think about it, it's not an easy thing in general. But um, now, I'm sorry. I just, my mind wandered off. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Forgot where I was headed with that. <laughs> well, I do understand we, we, we're there. We're that age. But you know what, Dr. Yeah. Uh It's always like that. It's, I, I never, yeah. let, me, let me say this. I never met a minister who wanted to be a preacher. I never met an right. evangelist who she wanted to, uh, he or uh, she wanted to evangelize. I never met yeah. a bishop who wanted to be a bishop or pastor of a church or work any kind right. of ministry or have anything to do with talking to people. I, I never met no, no, none of those. But see, God already knew before you entered your mother's womb. He, he already had a purpose and a plan. Yeah, yeah. And you don't right. know what it is, so you're going through life. I, I can remember days when uh, I was in my early 20s or late mm-hmm. teens, and I used to be with my friends, and we going out to do dancing and whatever we was going to do, go to the movie, uh, right. uh, parking lot, hanging out. And they would, you know, see a tent over here, and they have a tent meeting, what they call revival meeting. Yeah. And they would say, let's go over there and see what they're doing under there. I never wanted to go, no, no, I, I don't have nothing to do with this. I'm trying to get my party on. Y'all go on over there now. Yeah. You see, I never wanted anything yeah. to do with that. But he chose me. Yeah. He had the purpose and the plan. And let me tell you what I learned about him. You can tell him no if you want to. You can say no. But that's the worst mistake you can make. Yes, it is. Boy, because your life is really going to go down. What you talk? He will carry you through all of it. You may have to scream. You may have to lock up for four or five days by yourself, yelling and screaming and crying and God, why me? Mm -hmm. You do all of that. Mm -hmm. But when you get through, you're going to obey God. I can tell you that. (laughs) Because the way things going to turn, the way it's going to turn out. And always remember yeah. this too. Always, it should never be you. You should never be male or female. It should be the spirit of God in you, that you, the Holy yeah. Spirit that you allow to lead and guide you, and He will have you to do what it is He wants to do. Now, look. After I wasn't gonna do none of this, and after I didn't like, and all this wasn't me. I learned to know. This is what I love. Yeah. I love it now. You know why? He uh-huh. did it in me before I entered my mother's womb. I yeah. didn't know. And my yeah. flesh was the one that wanted to do. I wanted to be in control and not allow him. But I had to accept him because he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And when I tell you, yeah. I'm so glad today for that offer. I will never forget that. I'm so glad right. today. To be in him yeah. and he's in me. And this I'm telling you, this life is about his will being done. We should right. live, those of us that say we're believers, we're Christians, we're saints. We should accept what God allows. 
If you know you got God, if you know the word of God and you have faith, accept what you're going through. He's going to bring you out of this. Always pray for the lesson behind it. Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Because there are a lot of things we go through. We just scrambling and screaming and and bamming trying to get out of it. But we need to try if we can to take time to say, Lord, what are you teaching me here? Because he wants to show you I have all power. There's no higher power. Uh The earth is mine, the fullness thereof, oh, yeah. glory to The world and they that dwell therein. Listen, listen what he's saying. If he be yeah. for us, he's more than the whole world against us. But we got to shake the word up in us. Yeah, stop, stop shaking the flesh we up. Did. And the word of God up and the spirit of God in you. Shake that up in yeah. you. You see, because of Yeah, this. he does. Yeah. And, yeah, um, not, you know, I know. Ahead, yeah, Dr. you need, and I'm sorry, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Go ahead. Are you there? Okay, because you were cutting in and out. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times, of course, when we're going through this stuff, we turn to the book of Job. And of course, I did that, and I went through it, and I studied it. And I really looked at how Job's responses and things like that. But the most critical one was at the end of the book where God says, who are you? Were you there when I created the earth and, you know, when I put the stars in the heavens and the sun and the moon in place? Who are you to, you know, question me about this stuff? And then Job responded by, you know, basically saying, you are the God. You are the one who's the most powerful. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, I'm just paraphrasing the stories. And And I also noticed a lot of times, the prophets and the Old Testament and then even even the um, New Testament apostles and stuff, they always started out prayer by acknowledging who God is, you know, like te- almost like telling God who he is and, you know, praying things like you are the God who created the heavens and the earth and you're the God who set the sun and the moon in place and you raised up the mountains and separated out the seas and, you know, and then you created man and animals and all that. And by the time you pray through that stuff, your problem starts to seem smaller and smaller and smaller. And, you know, I would pray that and and I would always kind of finish it because you've talked about this too, you know, and then you created man and out of all the men on the planet, you kind of put your finger down and you pointed at me and you said that one. So now when he said that one, I have to learn how to walk that out you know that chosen place it's taken it takes years and and i'm like i'm never going to get it 100 percent right this side of heaven but i can do better every time every year because god pointed and said that one he gave me free choice i could say no thank you (laughs) but that wouldn't go bode well for me so that's what i hear you talking about a lot is the word of, you know, acknowledging and recognizing who God is. Mm-hmm. And trusting him. And, and, let and then truth. trusting him in it. I saw something yeah. the other day that said, stop trying and start trusting. Yes, yes. Because we must allow him to be the God of our lives. Mm-hmm. Our life mm-hmm. should be hid in him. Our lives should be mm-hmm. hid in him. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. Yeah. Yes. And when yeah. we have a well made up mind, it takes a well made up mind to stay with him and to remember yeah. his word. And a lot of times this whole life we get busy. 
And once we get so mm-hmm. busy in this life, the, the spiritual life, we kind of pushing it back a little bit because I, I, I got to get this done. I got to go over here. I got to be in this and I got to be in that. But this is what the words say. Man ought to always pray and not think. Yeah. Pray yeah. without thinking. Yeah. Another thing he says, if we'll keep our mind on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Yeah. But, right. but see, we don't, right. we don't battle for this. We battle for what the flesh wants. But I'm a living witness. If we battle against the evils for what the Spirit of God wants, oh, he's going to bring us into a place. Look, I don't care what happened, yeah. you in peace. I, I, I recently said this, and I'm going to say it again. My oldest daughter passed away. She died last mm. September. You would have had to know me for this girl. Not one tear, yeah. really. No sadness, no going through. If it had not been for God, I would have fallen apart. My young, oh, I would have I fell know. But God kept me strong. And, and, and me and another person was talking the other day, and she said, Barbara, you experienced that. Yeah. She said, Barbara, I couldn't really cry, and I wasn't really sad. She lost a loved one. I said, no need. Yeah. And another thing, yeah. see, I know where she's at. I know who hands that she's in. I know beyond a shadow yeah. of doubt I will see her again. <laughs> and she was I know. You see? But we go through yeah. these things and we have to take our eyes off the flesh. Take our eyes out the world. Put our eyes in heaven. And and, right. and, and give ourselves to God. Give ourselves to the spirit to obey the spirit of God. And we will be all right. right. So more, I just tried to uh, bring you in, but um, you was at work. So if you want to come back in, would you please, ma'am, uh, yes, text? That'd be great. Yeah, text Mr. Samoa, and I will bring you. I will open up your mic because your hand raised. I don't know if you was intending to raise it, but I thank you for deep. In thought, but maybe yeah, you know, yeah, too. yeah. Listen, before you go, Dr. Dillard, I have one song I want to play for you this morning, and uh, when we come okay. back, we'll come back and talk a little more. Okay, that's great. All right, dedication to you. In the stream. 
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful song. So I dedicate that one to you this morning, Dr. Dillard. And I thank God for you coming through today. Truly a blessing. Yeah. Thank you. And I haven't heard that song for a really long time. And when it started, I smiled. And in the past, I would cry. Yes, yes. So that's that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, if I cry, and you probably heard me a few minutes ago, but when I'm crying, I'm crying in the worship. I'm crying in the praise because from my heart, I'm truly thankful thankful unto God. Yes. He has been good to me. Yeah, brought me out. I won't hold you up. Yeah, I know you have work to get okay. done. But listen, before you go, Dr. Dillard, can you give us your uh, Dunamis information, please, ma'am? Yeah, um, it's Dunamis Center Ministries, and the website is Dunamis Center, D-U-N-A-M-A-S, center.com, and our phone number is 719-231-7183. Okay. So, and if you, if, all right. If you didn't, yes, yes. Thank you so much. If you didn't get it, uh, you can always listen in the archive and pick it up. Write okay. it down for yourself. Yeah. All right. Yep. God bless you. I all right. You too. All thank right. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Pauline Dillard this morning. Yeah, it's always a pleasure with her because we're going to go back and forth. We're going to go. Back and forth, but it's in love today. It's in love, and uh, I thank God for her. And he, he's using her. Please believe me, he's using her. Because, see, uh, uh, clinical-wise and medical-wise, and he blessed her to know him for herself. And so she's able to share the goodness of the Lord with others. She's able to talk of his wondrous works. Yeah, make known his deeds among the people. See, I see it in a whole nother light. But who am I? Huh? God got a mighty sweet way today. Listen, I wanted to share just a little bit of this uh, with us this morning. And, um, oh, that is beautiful, Sister Samoa. And if you can hear me, if you, you want to say something, text me and say, yes, I want to talk, and I'll bring you right in. All right, I'm going to look for this one. Now, this today, I had to have a little bit of this, and I thought today, ending the anniversary celebration would be a perfect day. Uh, the wolf is at the door. The wolf is at the door. So I thought I would share this this morning, and uh, after this, the studio will be open. And if there's anyone have something they would like to say, we still will have time. Hallelujah. My message is entitled, The Wolf is at the Door. The Wolf is at the Door. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit that gives us new hearts, Lord, so that we can stretch out beyond our limitations and be ambassadors of you and your word to all who can still hear. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for courage and compassion. 
today. God, to speak things that need to be spoken in this generation. Help us, Lord, as a church, never to back away from truth. Help us to go forward and let it fall where it may. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The wolf is at the door. Isaiah chapter 53. Prophet Isaiah says these words. Who has believed our report? Beginning at verse 1. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's, it's so important before we even begin to look at this passage of Scripture to understand that it was a religious system that crucified Christ. You know, we understand that the Roman authorities were the instruments of his death, but it was the religious order of the day created by God's own people that put the Son of God on a cross. There were leaders in that generation, and they had, they had used their position over the people to garner titles for themselves. They had adorned themselves in righteous robes as they saw it, and they, they loved to parade among the people, as Jesus said, and be called master, teacher, teacher, teacher in the marketplace. But Jesus himself came in a form that he did not take on this form of grandeur that men give to themselves. And also, too, they created a system of salvation that was much wider and much more inclusive than the one that God had given to us. As a matter of fact, it was so narrow that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. They were so offended when he challenged their religious system because they had, they had created this wide door into eternal life and eternal bliss with God that doesn't exist. All kinds of people were coming into the temple defiled and going out defiled. They were living in manners and ways that the Bible clearly indicated would leave them excluded from the kingdom of God forever. And so in comes this man. He's not interested in their system. He's not trying to garner one of their titles. He's not doing things their way. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. He's not dressed in righteous robes. He's he's not got boxes on his forehead. He's not walking around with tassels on his arms. He's not parading like some rooster before the people, talking about how close to God he actually is. They despised him and rejected him because he challenged the religious system. They had created a system of redemption that did not exist. Do you understand? And that's the propensity of humankind. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that we can be as God is. Remember, we can, we can become judges of what's good and what's evil. And if you take that to its logical extension, we can start declaring things that are, that are 
God forgives when he doesn't. We can start declaring behaviors righteous when they're not. We can start telling people they're going to heaven when they aren't. That is the grave, grave danger of religion. When humankind in its sin nature is allowed to take it and so twist it and so pervert it that it becomes something that God never intended it to be. Can you imagine sitting in a place as a professed or supposed believer in Christ only to end up at the throne of God one day to find out you've been outside the whole thing all along? What a tragedy that's going to be for so many. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There was a a heaviness in the heart of the Son of God as he looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. But we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And we are, of course, reliving the scripture again in great measure in our day. In many, many places, even where God's people are gathering, the word of God is despised. And we are now gravitating to fancy preachers who have opened the door real wide to people who are not going to heaven, giving them false peace when they're not at peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things are what? Passed away. And behold, all things are become new. If, if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, That means a new value system. It means a new heart. It means a new mind. It means a new way of speaking, thinking, living. It means that what God says is good is good, and what God says is evil is evil. We don't try to change that. We accept that from the Word of God. Now, this message is given to shepherds to bring us not only to the knowledge of our salvation, but to the freedom which Christ bought for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his beating, as it is, that he took on the cross, we are healed. The old things don't have power over us anymore unless we choose to let them. The old ways of living, speaking, thinking, doing are broken. And we become new creations in Christ. We are able to look back and say, thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not everything that I hoped to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be, and thank God I'm going to be one day what Christ is calling me to be. So there's this constant moving forward in the life of a genuine believer, leaving an old way of thinking, an old way of living, an old way of speaking, and moving to truth, even when it's painful. The book of Proverbs says, a righteous person swears to their own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, I say I'm going to do this, and I do it because God's word says I should, even if it causes me pain. And I don't turn from it. Now, Paul was this kind of a shepherd. He, he didn't hold back, as I said earlier. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, and this is the cry of my heart, if anyone here today hearing my voice ends up in hell, let it not be my fault. Let it never be because I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God or I didn't warn you of something that had the power to drag you down into eternal darkness. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, for this I know, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, he said, day and night with tears. Paul said there's going to be wolves that are going to come and they're all already, there's packs of them now. It's not just a few, there's many now in our generation. And they're going to come to devour the sacrifice of Christ and the promise of new life through him. They're going to promise you liberty, as the scripture says in the New Testament, but they themselves are the slaves to corruption. They're promising something they, they're not experiencing themselves and they can't deliver it. Listen to what Jude says, the last book of the New Testament before the book of the Revelation. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here's what the wolves do. They teach that you can live a lifestyle against the word of God and still claim heaven as your eternal home. That is the wolf that's now at the door of the Christian church in America. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. That means people who engage in sexual intercourse outside of the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman. Fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Settle it. It's in the word of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live in a moral lifestyle and heaven will still be your home. So hard for this generation to hear when you've got preachers standing in pulpits saying, well, God understands your need and God is a God of love and God won't send anybody to hell. No, that's not true. God is a God of love. We know that. But the Bible tells us that fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, people who have other loves in there. Something that is in your life that, that is, is, is your whole obsession. Churches or Christ is just a little part of your life, but there's something else in your life that you're pursuing. Nor adulterers, people who engage, who are married, but engage in... You know, today we take words like adultery and we call it an extramarital affair, as if it's a black tie event. 
You know, you are invited to an extramarital affair next Friday at 5 o'clock. The Bible calls it adultery. Adultery. Settle it. Deal with it. The sex outside of marriage will keep you outside of the kingdom of God. And sex outside of the bonds of the person that you are married to, the, wife, the man or woman you're married to, will also keep you outside of the kingdom of God, unless it's repented of. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. In other words, that's both, men and women. Folks, listen. I understand the dilemma, in a sense, uh, that some might face in same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, you can't give in to that lifestyle on any level. Because the Bible clearly says it will leave you outside the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said some people are eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, some people just live their lives without any sexual activity for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he said, whoever can hear this, let them hear it. You know, you can, you go to a funeral, for example. And you can dress it up with flowers all around and you can, there's a death certificate. And the preacher can get up and say nice words. But the reality is that the corpse is still dead. You can't make it live. It doesn't matter what you do. And it's the same with homosexual marriage, folks. I've got to say it straight out today. I'm not going to hold back on it. You can adorn it with flowers. You can get a certificate from City Hall. You, you can find some backslidden preacher to say nice words about it. But the wages of sin is still death. You can't change that. Now listen, I'll be called a hater for, for this message today. I understand that. But I'm not a hater. If I hated you, I'd let you go to hell. If I hated you, I'd let you die in your sin. If I walk down the street and your house is on fire and you're up in your bedroom window and I don't warn you, am I really a good neighbor? Do I really love you? Do I really care about your eternal destiny? You can curse me out of your bedroom window all you want, but I will still warn you that your house is on fire for your soul's sake. Nor thieves. Lest we should think that we're just going to focus on one thing. More thieves. That means people who steal. It's that simple. People who steal. People who steal a little. They have a contract maybe and steal a little bit more than they should. Income tax time is coming around, folks. Are you going to pay your taxes? <laughs> nor covetous. Nor drunkards. People who come to church this morning, but you were out at a club last night. You're drinking and dancing, and, and this foolishness, I'm out there to share the testimony of Christ. Who are you kidding? <laughs> if you really are there to do that, stand on the sidewalk with pamphlets in your hand and give it to the drunks coming out of the club. You don't need to be in there with them. No revilers. You know, especially in, in this environment we're now living in, in this country at this time, where reviling has is is, is become the speech of the day, where it's, it's fashionable just to curse everybody around you. You know, Paul said, revilers don't inherit the kingdom of God. 
We have a different heart. We have a different spirit. We're, we're a different kind of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that. Would be to God that I can honestly say that of everybody here today. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. That means you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You are, you, 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 you honestly repented. You walked away. You moved away from what God's word says is wrong. You can't make it right. Okay, where did Sister Samoa go? Okay, Sister Samoa, if you can hear me, would you press that one again, if you can? She may have to. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> Good morning. God bless you. How are you, Sister Samoa? Good morning, Miss Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to it's good to just hear y'all again. Um, um, can you hear me, Miss Barbara? Uh huh. We can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good. It's feel like it's feel like I've been away from family for a while. It's like reunion, like. Um, but I just. I just wanted to say hi, and, um, you know, just like I said, it's good to be back. Um, I don't have much to say, but I, I did want to leave you all with something. Um, and I call it a star because I reach for it uh, many times. So here it goes. I reached for a star today. It did not fall. It did not dangle. I took my time so I could get just the right angle. I did not fear that it would fall because there's enough of them to cover it all. So a lot of times when I'm feeling lost or down, I just think about that. And I did write that myself, and it got me through a lot of stuff. So I hope it helps somebody else too. All right? All right. Amen. Thank you so much, ma'am. And listen, how much are those baskets? Um, they start at uh, they start at 25. Um, the football one is 25, um, and they start at 25. Um, they you um, how do I say? It? Um, we can go we can go as exquisite as you like. Um, they do come. Some of the gifts come with rolls and you know shavers and different things. So we can go as high as you want. That's just that's just the vision that I see. Um, but yeah, they start at 25. Okay. So that green and, and, and yellow one, is that for a man or a woman? And how much is that one? Um, that is because of the content, um, that is for a woman because of the content. Um, but that one is 40. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll get together. I really, really like that green and yellow one. So we we'll do. Together. Yes, yes, we'll get together on it. And, and if you need me to show you how to box it and ship mm -hmm. it, I can. Yeah, I can. And it okay. won't cost it. It won't cost that much. Okay. But we'll get okay. together on that. Yeah. God bless everyone today, and thank yes. God for you coming through. Uh, Fion yes. told me to say good morning to everyone, and God bless you. She's at work today. So we thank God for all he has done this entire week. He has blessed yeah. us, and uh, yeah. I'm so thankful. Thank you so much, Sister Samoa. God bless you this morning. 
Thank you. Just glad you ain't gone nowhere. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> <laughs> and look, in uh, October, I'm going out to Nevada to see Brother Frank. So anybody want to go to Nevada with me, let me know. And, really? Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll make some plans. I was going to Arizona, too, to see Sister Mari, but her and Sister Yvonne, they're going to meet me in Nevada. And uh, okay. that way, yeah, we'll get to spend some time together. And then they were telling me about uh, Oregon. I don't think I'm going to Oregon. I think I'm coming home because I'll be tired because I'm going to Birmingham. And uh, my good friend, Minister Fred Sanders, he's putting together a recital. And I okay. asked him to. So he's doing that for me because, oh, I want to hear that choir sing one more time. And then after that, we'll leave and head up to Nevada. And... Um, leave Nevada and come on back home. Now, you know, I can make some stops on the way back to Florida, but my main goal is Birmingham and then Nevada. Yeah. I may get, you know, it depends on the way, you know, he goes that if I'm over in the Kansas area, I think that's on the other side, though, but I might get to stop by and see Sister Ellis over there. Yeah. You know what, Miss Barbara, I was just thinking about I was just thinking about, I think it was, was it three years ago or four years ago that I, that I started coming into the show? And, 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 and I remember the anniversary back then that I knew nothing about. But then we were trying to get together ever since then, and it's like crazy because it's been, what, three or four years now? We still haven't uh-huh. gotten together. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. When God does it, he's going to do it big. So we, we patiently wait for him. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he would come in. Y'all pray for uh, Evangelist Robin Lynn Maven. Y'all pray for her for me. I cannot get a hold of her. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not like her to miss the anniversary, not her. So y'all pray wow. for her because I don't know what's going on, but I haven't heard from her. And uh, we're running all the way out of time. So I'm going to pray us out this morning. And uh, we pray okay. the Lord. Love y'all. Yes, love you too, yes. Sister Samoa. We pray All the right. Lord bring us back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. I think something is wrong uh, with this line, because when I'm talking, or uh, they talking, and I say something, uh, they can't hear. So, something is something here, but I'm going to work on it this weekend. But let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for Dr. Dillard coming in with a testimony this morning. We thank you that you're faithful, God. And, Lord, if we would learn to be faithful unto you, we would things in a much better life. Father, it's really part this morning. Bless our going out and our coming in. Meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Strengthen us. Strengthen the new converts, the new believers that come to you. In your word, God, by faith and trust in you, help today. All of us, oh God, we need you. Without you, we can't make it without you. Bless every calling, every listener, every home representative, every family member near and far, every friend near and far. Move today, God, upon the needs of your people's lives. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. 
Have a blessed weekend. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this weekend. In Jesus' name, starting August the 19th, 2022. We're going to our last song of the morning. And after this song, I won't be coming back. God bless you, Sister Simon. And God bless everyone. Have a beautiful weekend. I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. All right? Look at somebody and say, I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. No, you said it to the wrong person. Grab the person behind you and tell them, hey, hey, you. I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. Come on,
Hi. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, Miss Barbara.